And you're back with Scotty and Zena on Behind the Lines, X Community Radio, 98.3 FM in Canberra. So we're um, changing the pace a little bit from the school strike for climate change folks, and we're going to cover a, a more of a serious, sombre topic here. Uh, we're going to be speaking with Sonia de Meza, who is the CEO of Domestic Violence Crisis Service, ACT. And coronavirus isn't the only danger in this pandemic. We are all being still asked to stay at home. <clears throat> but what if home isn't a safe place right now? And this is the case for victims of domestic violence who are often trapped at home with their abusers. They're isolated, vulnerable, exposed, and often forced to make the impossible decision to become homeless or stay with their abuser. So joining us this morning, we have Sonia. Welcome to the show, Sonia. Hello. Good morning. Good morning. Yes. So I have to say, Sonia, you have my admiration. Um, Not many of our listeners would know that you've come to your position quite recently, in fact, about three weeks before the pandemic was announced. So they uh, really landed you guys in hot water there. They certainly are giving you a trial by fire. How has that been, you know, coming into a new role and um, all of a sudden having to deal with something that um, is unprecedented and, and high demand for your services, of course? Um, well, actually, it was uh, one week before um, I started when things really started to take, um, have momentum. Um, and I must say, you know, I had a very clear plan of how I would go about in my my role as a new CEO. And that kind of went out the window where our focus really had to be on um, the staff and making sure that they were safe and able to work remotely while still doing face-to-face engagements where required and and that we could continue to provide the services and supports that we have been. And we've been successful, but yes, thank you for acknowledging that. It has been very challenging, but I feel that we really have come a long way. Mm. I've been looking at a lot of the media reports from a lot of the people who are in essential services and I'm noticing as the weeks go by they look like they're getting less and less sleep and really struggling to, um, you know, to, to, to meet the demand um, that's happening right now. So what, is, what has happened in, in your sector since the lockdown began? What have you noticed? Well, what we've noticed is um, a, a real difference in the way people are communicating with us and reaching out to us. So in the past, it would be more telephone calls, but as you can imagine, that's going to be a lot more problematic given that people can't easily just pick up the phone and reach out and connect with us if there's an abuser in the house. So we're, we're seeing more less telephone calls and more um, reaching out via social media, email, online chat, even going onto our website people obviously having a look, trying to get information. So the mode of communication very much has changed. Mm. And would you say that there's been a significant spike in cases with you know people now being in lockdown situations or social isolation at home where they are you know, now having to spend more time with someone who's a potential threat? We haven't seen um, a spike. Um, a consistent spike or increase in cases, what we're seeing is a complexity in the type of cases and um, that people are talking about. What does that mean? COVID-19 is really presenting a new situation where we have, got, we have social distancing in place 
as well as self-isolation, and that is presenting its own problems. What do I mean by that? We have financial stress, perhaps people using violence, losing their job, not having access to fund money to be able to pay bills, and that, and that plays itself out in more stress that the person experiencing violence is going to be facing. Also, less options for people. So, whereas in the past they might have been able to move to some other accommodations, that is becoming more and more problematic and people are feeling more stuck in their homes. We're seeing um, an increase in, in some cases, an increase in use of alcohol, people being separated under one roof, not having the option to be able to move somewhere else, um, escalating verbal abuse, um, manipulating situations where someone is saying that they won't hand over children as agreed because of COVID-19 and accusing someone of having it when they don't. More stress, more trauma, post-traumatic stress disorder, um, and people really um, not being able to access their counselling supports that they might have been able to use in the past. Mm. Um, people feeling more and more isolated due to their partner's controlling behaviours. So the type of um, situations and cases that we're hearing about are becoming more complex as a result of mm. COVID-19. So it sounds like there's just an increase in triggers um, through COVID. There, you know, there's already a lot of factors involved, but um, you know, a lot of these things have been exacerbated. Like you said, there's an increase in alcohol consumption where you've got ready home delivery of alcohol happening to make it yes. very, very accessible uh, for people that and as choose we know, to do that. Well, yes, and when there's um, stress, people like to sometimes like to drink alcohol and mm. kind of ease their, their frustrations and pain, and that becomes a cycle, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, th- th- there's all these specific COVID-19 related um, issues that we're seeing and they're quite concerning. Mm. So you mentioned in the beginning that you said that your staff have had to um, alter the, the way that they work with clients um, because of some of the restrictions. Um, and there's also potential concern that um, abusers might be denying victims access to medical um, you know, you mentioned that one is they're accusing them of having COVID in order to control a child custody situation, but potentially also maybe to keep somebody um, at home or within their control or not allowing them to go to work. Um, they could also be using that um, denial of access to, to medical support as well or, or medical attention. Yes. And I've heard of that happening in other states and overseas as well. So that can um, obviously become an, another area of concern. Mm. And and how how are your um, staff able to uh, navigate some of these challenges? So obviously they're probably not doing face-to-face meetings at the moment. I know we're um, lightening some of the restrictions, but it sounds like there's probably not group support meetings going on or maybe your staff aren't able to um, attend a meeting. Are you still able to go to court and support victims, that sort of thing? Well, what we've done is... Um Most of the staff are working remotely. We haven't been able to do group work, but where our crisis intervention requires some face-to-face visits with clients, we are continuing that because we are essential services. We are classified as essential services, but we're making sure that we are adopting the essential precautions that are required by the government. So, but as restrictions are being um, lifted, we're looking at... um, 
a very careful, staged return to the office. But people at the moment, um, the majority are working remotely, but those um, very vital and important face-to-face interventions that need to happen are happening. Mm, That's great. Um, With people now predominantly accessing support services through um, online and social media. Do you have any concerns about um, that maybe making victims more trackable or traceable by their abusers? Um, It it possibly could um, relate. There could be some concerns there. Um, There's ways where... um, if, for example, you're looking on our website, you can have a quick... We've got a special button where you can have a quick escape where people can quickly leave that that safe, that um, website page that they're looking at. So, you know, it, it is important to be very, very careful and be very aware in how you make communications and how you get your information. Mm. I think that you call that the quick escape button. I did take a, a look at the website earlier to see that um, you had some things in place there. Mm. Um, yeah, I also um, just from you know, my personal experience when I was doing a little research last night, I went onto your Facebook page and I was got quite a shock is um, one of the people who's on my friends list on Facebook um, showed up in a little box um, in, called the community box on the right hand side of the page saying that they had visited your page recently and I'm not quite sure um, how that comes about but it's somebody I guess who's on my friends list on Facebook and it's they're letting me know that this person has visited a page recently so mm. um, when it's a page that's obviously you know animal rescue or something innocuous um, maybe that's not much of an issue but if you've got somebody monitoring um, a victim's movements and what websites they've been going to and they're getting a, an alert saying oh this person's actually been to the domestic violent crisis services Facebook page recently mm. um, so I just wondered is is that something that you can maybe um, discuss with Facebook about um, having some uh, protection in place there or is there any way that uh, the person using that could disable that so they wouldn't um, have a, a, a trackable link to saying that they visited your um, page recently? Um, I'm sure there are and mm-hmm. there are settings on Facebook mm-hmm. and um, while we might not have, um, you know, we might not be experts in, in setting those, um, you, know, you know, how the settings should be set, we definitely could point someone in the right direction mm-hmm. so that they can ring us up and, and have a discussion about that and where they could get some advice on that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, that's that's great. Thank you. Because it was just something I was totally surprised by yeah. myself and thought I, I would like to share it just in case that's a, a new thing that's going on with all of the social media monitoring that seems to have increased during COVID, um, not re- in relation to your work, but yeah. just in general with the, so but, many but tracing think, things. No, yeah. Absolutely, it's a very valid concern because <laughs> we really need to be careful um, in terms of our communications <laughs> and be aware that, that, you know, that they can be monitored. So it might be worth, you know, um, having a look on settings and see whether there are things that, that can be reduced in terms of alerts <laughs> to external parties. Um <laughs> You know, without being an expert on Facebook or other social media, um, yeah, I'm a bit of a luddite you know, there too. Modes so. of communication myself. Um, I'm, I'm sure if you just had a little look in that and, and to see how you could protect yourself in those ways, I think that's very important. Yeah. Um, you also mentioned that um, people were inquiring about whether or not they should be downloading the COVID app because of safety concerns around um, tracing, and you had some recommendations around that for your potential clients about whether or not it would be a good idea for them to do that? 
Um, that is another area I think that everyone has to make their own decisions whether they think that that is helpful or not. And I would recommend anyone who has any queries um, and wants some information in the family domestic violence context to ring up our our, our line and, and see if there's someone who can assist with that. Mm, fabulous. Um, so what are some of the ways that victims can enhance their safety while they're staying at home or why they're in this, you know, particularly challenging situation? Well, I think the thing that we have to be really aware of is isolation can be really problematic and at times dangerous. So we have to work out a way to reduce that isolation so that there are ways to connect and access the support that a person might need. So one of the things that we've just been discussing this morning is to really have access to alternate online supports, to really have a think about how that can be set up in a safe way, um, to stay connected to the outside world as much as possible, even if via random Facebook group, which can help break down the feelings of isolation. So that's not just about asking for help, but I think one of the big issues staying at home all the time it can really increase people's um, mental health well-being um, it can make people feel more depressed so if, if you physically can't get out of the house you've really got to keep mm-hmm. an eye on that mm-hmm. and see ways that you can connect make safety plans during periods of isolation at home if you go onto our website you can get find a number of tips that can help you create your own safety plan so that if, you, if there is an escalating situation, you know how to, to stay safe. Mm. Um, identify at what point you think you'll need to call the police. Um, there, are things, there are mechanisms, for example, ideas such as setting up code word text message to a friend signaling, I need help. If you're a person with a disability, being able to reach out and connect to your support worker so there's just some basic ideas, but I do encourage all listeners to have a look at our website, dvcs.org.au, and there's a long list of um, ways that you can um, stay safe and some pointers and really helpful information. Wonderful. And so I've got a couple of questions here around um, different groups that might be looking for support in different ways. So if someone's um, a migrant um, maybe in the process of trying to secure their migrant immigration status or a refugee or um, you know another minority that maybe hasn't um, established themselves with citizenship in Australia yet are you able to support them and are there uh, multilingual services available for them to access if English is a barrier? There absolutely are Um, you can if in terms of um you know, your your visa status, you need to get some migration um, advice on that because there are changes that are being made in that area. Um, so I would suggest contacting a multicultural organisation called MARS. I think that's an acronym that stands for um, Migration um, Multicultural <laughs> and, and Refugee um, Refugee Settlement <laughs> Services or something like that. MARS, M-A-R-S-S. And they really help the multicultural community and people from culturally, linguistically diverse backgrounds. And I do believe that they have access to um, migration agents who can give advice on those points. You know, the difficulty of um, being able to stay in Australia, your visas ran out, but you can't leave. So Mm. there are um, some changes that have been made in that area, I believe. 
best to get some um, expert legal advice on that. And they do use um, interpreters, telephone interpreting services. And I do want to emphasise that if you contact our organisation, we can also use um, telephone interpreting services to support you if you're in, you, you struggle communicating in English. Mm, that's wonderful. That's really good to hear that. And I think that there's a general assumption in the case of domestic violence that it's often a male perpetrator and a female victim. Um, As we know, that might be the majority, but it isn't always the case. Um, So do you support all victims of abuse, um, male victims of abuse, same-sex relationships, um, or is it predominantly do you work with only female clients, just in case anyone wasn't sure? No, we work with everyone who, who wants our help and who is experiencing violence and abuse and that can include males the mm-hmm. statistics are, uh, and it includes people from the lgbtiqi mm-hmm. community um people of all different diversity from culture linguistically diverse backgrounds people with disabilities so we assist everyone the statistics indicate that the vast majority of people who do experience violence are women but that doesn't mean that men also don't experience um, mm-hmm. don't experience it and, and other groups as well. So we assist and support everyone. Mm, no, that's really good to hear. And I, I brought that up because I'm actually from a, a household where my mother was the abuser. Um, so okay. it's, it was an unusual situation where you've got um, non-traditional um, stigma attached to that too. So that um, I was always you know, always wondering what would happen back in the 70s. There wasn't a lot of um, support access then. But, mm. uh, it's wonderful to see how things have um, evolved and, and progressed. So for someone who is an abuser, who maybe has recognised that this is not the way to go forward and they would really like to get some support to end the abuse cycle, um, how would they reach out? Where should they go? They should ring us because we have men's behavioural support um, the change programs, and it's called Room for Change. And we, we're, when we are having people ring us up, and men who are saying, "Look, I really need some help," to um, I'm really having difficulties with using violence, and I want to change. So we have these programs that can help people, and I encourage you to ring anyone who is in that situation to ring our organisation, and we can point them in the right direction. And that is ongoing. Even though this situation has been happening, we are continuing to provide support in that way. Mm. No, that is wonderful. And I'm, I understand you could probably also provide referrals to um, sister organisations and um, other support organisations um, if there's something more specific that can be addressed. Yes, like so there, there might be some area where another organisation is more... Um, specialise in that particular area, for example, um, disability or some other area, we can provide referrals, um, absolutely. And we do work closely with the community sector to Mm. provide those referrals and support. Mm. So I've heard um, this this said, and perhaps you can clarify for me just how um, accurate it is, that sometimes seeing um, an ad or media for domestic violence can trigger um, an abuser to commit an act of violence uh, and that there's been victims who've said it's worse when it, the domestic violence ad comes on TV and, and the person sees it and it sets them off. Is is that something you found? Is that is there the truth in that? Um, I'm, I'm aware and I think I've read that there can be various triggers, things that come up on television or ads, etc. That, that can be 
something that triggers someone. Um, yes, I'm not sure where the evidence is on, on that, the extent to which that happens, but mm. I, I'm sure that it does. Mm. And one of the things that's quite close to my heart is animals. I'm a great animal lover and mm. I know that it's often very, very challenging for people who have pets and they're in a, um, a difficult or a dangerous situation that they're reluctant to leave um, because they're worried that um, if they can't take their pets with them, that the abuser may then target their pets. Um, is there any support in place to help people um, who would like to um, either take their pets with them or perhaps be um, able to um, know that their pets are safe somewhere that they can um, have their pets for safety while they're fleeing a, you know, a dangerous situation? There are organisations, I understand, in the ACT that provide support for people who need to remain with their pets. Um, and what I would recommend anyone in that situation do is not choose not to seek help because you think, oh, look, I can't leave my pet. But ring up DVCS. Um, there might be programs um, offered by the RSPCA in the ACT or that... Or, the, or that that agency can point that the person in the right direction. So it's really important to, to ring up, have a chat, get some information, and they can be they can be assisted in the right direction. Mm. And I believe there's um, a couple of um, independent non-profit organisations that do a lot of work in the ACT that were um, willing to assist with that as well. I think one's called Canberra Pet Rescue. Um, oh, okay. Yes, and the other one is uh, Canberra Street Cat Alliance. So they often have um, situations where you can have a temporary emergency, um, emergency fostering or mm. um, maybe they have a, a resource to contact and they do work with the RSPCA on some of the community issues. So potentially that could be something for um, people in that situation making a difficult decision to get some support. Absolutely, mm -hmm. and I just think it's so important because... Pets for everyone, for many people, are just so important. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it, they replace human contact and mm -hmm. it's very difficult to leave a, a pet or an animal that's really loved behind. Mm -hmm. So there is support out there and it's really important to reach out and find out what supports are available to you in that situation. Hmm. So, you know, I know it's been a bit of a heavy topic for us this morning and a lot of people um, might find it a hard thing to listen to, but is there any um, sort of light at the end of the tunnel you'd like to share before we wrap things up and perhaps um, some positive anecdote or a suggestion that might uh, lighten the mood a little bit so I can yeah. leave our listeners not feeling so heavy-hearted? Sure. Um, I want to say that the Domestic Violence Crisis Service remains open to support people who are facing family and um, family and domestic violence, as well as people who use violence and who want to change their behaviours, our, our doors are open. Um, we encourage you to, to telephone us. We have a crisis line, twenty-four hour crisis line, six two eight zero zero nine zero zero. So, if you are facing um, some kind of violence, please give us a call and we're here to help you. For those people who are aware of family members or friends who are facing violence, please be there for them. Um, but make sure that, that you're not escalating the violence. Mm. Be ready to listen to someone who reaches out to you and to support them. If they tell you something, um, believe them. Don't question them and say, well, that's not right. 
um, and encourage that person. Get the information that you need to support the person. I would encourage you to look at our website, dbcs.org.au, and to provide that information to the person you're trying to support. Thank these you. Are really difficult. The positive yeah. thing I just want to say is these are really difficult times. Mm. I think at the end of it, the positivity will be those silver linings in the clouds of, of darkness, and, mm. and that will include a community that is more aware of other members of the community that, that might be struggling mm. and that reaches out and is more kind, caring and, and empathetic. And I think we have to hold on to that. Yes. as we go through this journey. Well, thank you, um, Sonia. I didn't want to cut you off there because it was a very meaningful, meaningful thing you were sharing. Um, we're just right out of time here. So I want to thank you so much for joining us this morning and and uh, sharing your wisdom and your knowledge with our listeners and wishing you all the best through these um, challenging months ahead. So we've been listening to Sonia Demeza, who is the CEO of Domestic Violence Services in the ACT and you've been listening to Zena Richardson and Scotty Foster with Behind the Lines on 2XX Community Radio 98.3 FM in Canberra.